Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Today, we're going to talk about how to keep our teens safe online, which is a hot topic, I know. So if you're worried about what your teen is doing on their phone all day, if you're concerned they're going to fall prey to predators and you can't seem to get through to them how dangerous the internet can be, this episode is for you. My guest expert today is safety and security influencer, Kathy Pedrias. Kathy transformed her career from an environmental scientist into making safety and cybersecurity accessible. Her mom-friendly safety tips have attracted millions of followers on TikTok, hundreds of thousands on Instagram, and she's been featured on Good Morning America, BuzzFeed, Today Parents, and so much more. Welcome, Kathy. I am so happy you could join us today. I'm really excited for this episode. Yes, me too. So let's just start. How in the world did you move from environment <laughs> into online safety? What's your backstory? Well, you know, what's interesting is I think it all kind of relates to safety because when I was an environmental scientist, what I was doing was really looking for the safety of properties to be inhabited, right? So is there oil contamination, groundwater contamination, and then indoors, asbestos, lead, mold, air quality, that kind of thing. And like one of the things I used to do was inspect properties before they became a daycare to make sure that whatever was there previously isn't something that could then leach into the daycare. So it's it's interesting because it, it doesn't it actually is more connected than it might sound it sounds, like. On right. the mm -hmm. <laughs> You're looking out for our safety, which is amazing. So how did it move to online safety? Well, that happened because, so I started my career as an environmental scientist. And then this is now this, now it takes a real left turn. I became a host on QVC. So real like, oh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. By way of QVC, <laughs> so, I should have known yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. So anyways, um, so when I was a host on QVC, I, you know, suddenly you're in 100 million homes and I was like, okay, well, how do I keep myself safe? I had heard horror stories of things that had happened to some of my colleagues. I talked to every single one of them, you know, buying a home is public record unless you do it as like a business and then your loans and all of that. Are so I was like, how do I protect this? information is anybody protecting it for me at work and the answer to that was no hmm. um it really falls on you and so little by little also my dad works in technology he's he uh, he works for the government doing it and so i was a little bit exposed to it but the responsibility really fell on to me to you know just be aware of what kind of information you're putting out there uh, and then also how public records are treated. And we did get a little bit of training in terms of, oh, you know, don't post your driver's license or your employee ID, like things like that. Um, we did have a bit of training, but it just, it kind of evolved naturally. Okay. That, that makes sense. And all of a sudden, just out of your own need, you're realizing all these other people need to understand this. So now- right. And it's just grown since then. You know, like when I was, when I was at QVC, that was- my experience, but what I've learned since then, since it's been a couple of years, is this is a much bigger topic and a much larger conversation that a lot of people are having right now. 
Right. And a lot of people are having it. They just don't know the answers to it. And I think that's where I hear, you know, a lot of parents particularly are so scared because their kids are on their phones all day long. They like to hide up in their rooms and the parents are freaked out. Like, what are they doing? How do I know they're safe? And so we really wanted to talk today about how do we help ensure that our kids are safe online? What can we, how can we talk to them? And what are some of the things? I know one of the things I really wanted to get into too is we're worried about who our kids are talking to, mm-hmm. right? And people that we don't want them to talk about are very good at getting through to our kids. So what are some of the things that as parents, we should be kind of aware of or looking out for? So I think this really varies on your kid, right? And like the kind of relationship that you have with your kid, every every child is different. I have a teen sister who is struggling and is very, very vulnerable to all of these types of bad people online. Um, and so with her, I need to be way more hands-on, way more like you do not get a lot of room here because you can't seem to make any good decisions, right? But then I have um, a preteen niece who I trust implicitly because she has shown me that she could be trusted with, you know, just the level of maturity and things like that. So every child is really different. But I think one of the things that's kind of like a good place to start is one, being familiar with the platforms, right? Like, what is it that they're doing online? How do they work? Just you know, kind of take five minutes to kind of browse through, look through the settings. That is number one, go to the settings, see what the apps have. The first thing would be uh, turning on like two-factor authentication and things like that. So you can prevent hackers from getting access to your kid's account. Um, It's well, there's different ways to bypass that, but that's one thing that you can do. (laughs) But then another thing that you can do in the settings, for example, applications like TikTok and Instagram, they allow you to filter out certain words. So you can filter out words that pertain to, you know, bullying, or uh, I like to filter out words on my page that have to do with uh, common scams that you find Mm -hmm. online. So people talking about crypto, people talking about, um, you know, there, there are some scams online where basically there will be like these bots uh, that comment, I'm so pretty or something like that. Come check out my profile. And then you go to that and it ends up being like a rated X kind of site. You know, it's like one click leads to another. So I do filter out words like pretty on my page. And when somebody comments pretty, I need to approve the comment before it shows up on my page. So there's little things like this that you can do, uh, you know, to filter out certain keywords. And then similarly, you know, if your child is struggling with, how many likes I get and that kind of stuff, which can affect, you know, their, their mental health, yeah. I suppose you can affect you. Can, there's settings for that as well. And actually Instagram just announced hours ago, uh, some new settings that they're rolling out for parental controls and things like that. Also, uh, they posted it maybe four hours ago at this point. <laughs> um, and also Apple is doing the same thing. You know, they have the family sharing uh, feature on their, like with their iCloud account, which mm-hmm. allows you some monitoring privileges as well. The challenge is that when a teen is sneaky, they change their birthday on all of these apps to make themselves older. Yeah, And that makes it harder as a parent because one, it's giving them access to apps that they're not supposed to be on, you know, date online dating apps. You're supposed to be over 18, but they just changed their birthday so that they could be on it. And then they're meeting God knows who, and people think that they're an adult. Um, but then also if a problem comes up, 
it's harder for a parent to prove this is my child who is a minor because on their Apple ID and all this stuff, it's showing that they're an adult. So legally it's, it's a privacy issue. Right. Right. So I, like, I would say one of the first things I would do is go into my iCloud and see what birthday are they using? And I would also have passwords to this stuff. You know, first of all, kids forget their passwords all the time. They might appreciate you as like their password manager, but also you just, you never know. You really never know. And and I like to, at least in my sister's case, I have like heavy hands in monitoring, <laughs> but in my niece's case, not so much like the parents, you know, they, they get the phone at night. She knows that she has to turn in the phone at night and they, they look through the messages and every single day, it's nothing. It's nothing to be concerned about. My sister's case is different. Every single day, it's something to be concerned about. <laughs> so let's, let's go with your sister's case. Cause I know that so many people that I talk to and a lot of my clients are more in the shoes of needing to wanting to tightly monitor their kids, um, mm -hmm. social media. And I know this is a really tricky line to tread because we want mm -hmm. our kids to learn to be you know we want them to learn how to make good decisions right yeah we know that even when they're not doing anything suspicious or worrisome on there they're still act suspicious because they're very protective not just mm -hmm. of themselves they're protective of their friends is what I'm learning mm -hmm. like they feel like they're portraying their friends if they let their moms or gay caregivers look at what they're texting, right? So right. there's a lot of elements to this that can make us seem worried. And it's really not about that. So help us understand how we can monitor our child's social media activity without creating the conflict and the frustration and them getting sneakier and smarter to get around <laughs> it, which I see a lot too. Yeah. I so in my opinion, or at least from, from what I've seen in like my own household is you have to know when to pick your battles, mm -hmm. right? Like that random curse word that you're like, you know, I really don't want you using that kind of language or whatever, like let it go, right? Like they're going to do that anyways. The battle is more, if you see bullying or something like that, you know, something more serious, it's like, you know, this is not appropriate. If you see talk of substances something more serious that's when i would pick my battle but the little stuff of oh i'm in a relationship and these kinds of like yeah you probably don't want your 15 year old in a relationship but you know it's going to happen and so as long as it's not you know becoming something that's more serious and i think there's also ways to talk about it without saying oh i read your messages and this came up yeah. and so you know I think there's ways to talk about it in a more generic way. Like, oh, look, I saw this video on my TikTok today. What do you think about that? Or, you know, just kind of like, I know that could be a little sneaky because you're trying to bring it up without bringing it up. But frankly, I think that's a, uh, a skill that we need in life, right? How do you have the awkward conversations without being blunt and then people rejecting the information? Yeah, that's getting so, defensive. Exactly. So I think that's a way of, you know, using other things that you see, oh, look at what this kid did, what did, I heard this, what do you think about that? I feel like those are ways to have the smaller conversations. And then if there's something more serious that you are seeing in the messages in the case of substances or, you know, maybe um, child images that are more sensitive in nature that they're sending to people, things like that, which by the way, Apple does have a function. This is also something that's relatively new. I'm not an Android user, so I don't know much about like the Android features, but Apple does have a feature through that parents parental sharing uh, iCloud 
where basically it would alert your child of, you know, this information is sensitive. Are you sure you want to view it? Um, or, you know, are you sure you want to send this? It won't tell you parent child is viewing this kind of information because that crosses the privacy line. And plus right. not, a, not all parents are, you know, loving, healthy parents. Um, so they won't do that, but they will just put like a little barricade for your child to hopefully make them think about it before they send or view. That's great because a lot of times it's not so much that the kids are purposefully doing it. They're just not thinking about it. So I like mm -hmm. that it just gives them a little stopgap. And I think as a parent, it's important to talk to them about why that's there. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, our whole goal is helping them learn how to use it appropriately and be safe without needing us to monitor them because we're not going to right. be able to monitor it, right? So we want no. them to make safe choices and make safe choices because they want to make safe choices, which is really hard mm -hmm. to do. Now, when you- And without making them get paranoid too, because that's the other- the right. other extreme is it's not that you can never talk to strangers online because you're going to you're gonna game online and that's gonna have chatting with strangers you're gonna comment on i don't know the celebrities post and someone's gonna like the cop you're gonna interact with strangers online it's just how do you do it safely where does it cross the line you know somebody asking you where you got your shoes from even if they're a perfect perfect stranger that's fine that's innocent but somebody asking you oh, are your parents married? Are they divorced? Do you live with who? Um, you know, what grade are you in? Now we're getting into, well, these are much more personal. Why the stranger on the internet want to know this information about me? Right. So you had said there's like some questions that, you know, predators may ask that don't seem suspicious, but kind of lead that. So what can we teach our kids are, like, how do we teach our kids where to draw those lines? Is there some clear indicators that we can let them know about? Yeah, actually, one of them is single parent households are, you know, that's a target uh, for predators. Anything that speaks to the vulnerability. Do you feel loved? Right. Do you need and it's amazing how kids will talk about this. They'll say, like, I just want somebody to love me in their mm -hmm. messages, love me unconditionally. And it's interesting because even my sister who's in that problematic bracket, um, I even looking through some of her messages and stuff like that, I still feel that she is much more emotionally mature than I was at that age. It seems to me that this generation is more in touch with that kind of stuff, mental health, emotional stability than I didn't even know mental health was a, a word that people talked about. It wasn't about a word a when thing. we were growing up. No, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> you just sucked so it now, up. <laughs> Right. So now people, they, they really do talk about it when they're 15, 16, 17. And so I think that's a good thing um, in that they're, since they're willing to talk about it, it hopefully gives you insight as well. But um, it could also, I suppose, be bad for, you know, somebody who's predatory. So speaking to vulnerabilities, do they feel loved? What kind of household are they in? You know, do they have friends? Do they have a good relationship with their parents? Like these are things that can easily be manipulated because then it's like, oh, well, let me be that father figure for you or let me be that, you know, adult loving figure for you. And what does that look like? It looks like this picture that I want to draw as a predator. Yeah, well, taken from that, it seems like one of the best ways to protect our kids online is to focus on our own relationship with our kids so they don't feel that vulnerability and don't feel a need to find someone else for that support because they're not finding it with their parents because we're in constant conflict 
which ironically mm -hmm. often occurs because of what they're doing online. So we've got this big mix of, right? So how do we kind of stop that downward cycle where we're fighting over social media, which makes them more vulnerable on social media and makes them want to turn to social media more, which means, you know what I mean? Like, how do we stop that cycle? I mean, I think, you know, as you said, it, it really starts with us and mm -hmm. it starts with our communication strategies, right? Like being able to communicate through conflict. Some of these things are not conflict. You know, you see something that they're doing online. Maybe you don't like that particular trend or that particular whatever, you know, that's just, um, it's like an annoyance, but it's not like a fight. So right. not allowing it to escalate to that, not allowing it to be a lecture. And I mean, in my opinion, growing up, I was lectured for hours and I was just like, eh, right over. But I mean, there were a few things that stuck out actually when it comes to safety, <laughs> but, um, but I also didn't have all the, actually, I think now having this conversation, I think now to things that I did coming from a home that, you know, was high conflict and when aim chat rooms and things like that were first, like, I cannot believe the conversations that I was having on aim chat rooms with perfect strangers, wow. you know, and, but just, I didn't wow. know any better. And I know that might be a little different because the internet was really in its infancy for the general public. Now we're in a different, in a different situation, but I think it's really just a matter of conversations and the earlier you can start the better, you know, I, like talk to them about what kinds of scams are happening on the internet. Those kinds of questions. If anybody starts asking you to, you know, where do you live and all of that, that is a hard stop don't give out your phone number. You know, that's something that a phone number is very easily tied to your address through public records, right? Through, through and then every other family member that, unless your name is very, very common, it might be a little harder to find, but you know, it's easy to find a ton of information on you just with the phone number. So if kids are communicating online and they wanna give a phone number out because they're gonna do it. So it's just a matter of like, are they gonna do it in a way that you feel they're being safe about it or are they going to do it in an unsafe way? So I would use a voiceover IP number, something like, well, nobody really, the, the joke on TikTok is that nobody uses Skype, but um, <laughs> Skype is a service that has yeah. this, um, Google Voice, you know, these kinds of services, because that way, if something happens, and, and it, this could be protective in a couple of ways. It could be protective in that it's not tied to your address and all this stuff. Mm -hmm the way your regular, you know, phone number might be, but it's also protective in that if they're get, putting this phone number in different kinds of websites, you know, they're signing up for, I don't know, newsletters or doing some shopping online or whatever it is that they're doing. If that website gets hacked, that phone number gets leaked and becomes public forever, right? So with a voiceover IP number, like a Google voice, you can just change the number. It's free, doesn't really cost anything you know it's very easy to do as opposed to just changing your cell phone number which is a lot that harder. is so smart like i've done that for my business and never thought of doing that for my daughter or even me where you yeah. have your own so having for your kids giving getting them like a google voice number right but it's not that's great kind of adds another I think whatsapp also has Does a service that. like that I, nice. I, I believe so adds mm -hmm. another layer so I think too, you know, when we talk about this with our kids, and I'm sure you have this experience now because you're sisters, it's probably a little bit easier, but I know, you know, when we try <laughs> to, no, okay. When we try to, do just because there's such a big age difference, I'm like oh, second so you're mom. Like mom too. I, right. Yeah. I'm a little calmer than real mom, but, <laughs> but I'm, yeah. Right. So having those conversations with our teens can be really difficult because first of all, 
they often know more than we do. So we end up sounding clueless. I know that's happened where I'm like trying to explain something and my daughter's like, um, no, that's not, that's not right. I'm like, okay, well, I've lost my credibility on that one. Right. So it's like (laughs) being educated on it, but I think it's about teaming up with them. So it's almost starting with what they know and having them educate you on what they know. So now they're teaching you and you're learning what they know. And then you Mm -hmm. can ask questions to fill in those gaps. So now they're not feeling, because I know teens, if you tell them something, they're going to be like, I'm not an idiot, right? And now everything else Mm -hmm. you say, they're tuning out. So you make them the expert and you just ask the questions to make them, to ensure that they know what they're talking about, right? Um, Right. So what I, some- I think that helps your relationship with them too. Exactly. You know, and by the way, that probably helps your relationship with anybody, not just a teen, but generally people yes, want to just be taught that. I know it's amazing how that happens. So, I mean, the whole point is you can use this instead of as a point of contention and conflict, this is actually an amazing opportunity to build connection and trust depending on how you handle it, right? Depending on the angle that you take. So what are some key questions that we want to kind of ask our kids to make sure they understand? And if they don't, we can help them understand to make sure they're safe. Well, you know, I'm a very, I'm a very visual learner. So when I think of these kinds of things, I think of, I like to see an example Mm -hmm. and then with the question. So, um, a good example, for example, is, is how do you tell what types of accounts are real or fake that are, you know, interacting with you online? Because some of them are just there to bait you. Yeah. How do you ignore that? Uh, how do you, and you know, th- this is something that parents have to kind of figure out for themselves too, because they may also not be as familiar with these online accounts. And I guess that's the challenge with if you're totally not online, or if you really don't spend a lot of any time or a lot of time online, it does make it a little bit more challenging because it's harder for you to have that conversation when you yourself aren't seeing it. But those kinds of things, the, the fake accounts, the spam accounts, there's a lot of things online and these are complete scams, but direct messages to minors through their social media profiles that'll say, hey, I wanna be your sugar daddy, blah, blah, blah. As a parent seeing that you're like, wait a minute, this is a minor, blah, blah. I'm sending this to you know the FBI, like, no. but which is fair. And sometimes maybe it is a real person. I don't know, but oftentimes it's a complete scam. It's like a bot that just sends these direct messages to whatever. And it's still, you know, concerning because obviously you don't want your child getting those kinds of messages, but really the easiest thing to do is to just like block. And then you can, by the way, use these filters to block out words like, you know, sugar baby, sugar daddy, things like that. And you can also through the settings block messages from complete strangers they can maybe only get messages from their friends and of course you have control as well you know is it a private profile public profile that you know um gives them some privacy too but i would say i really like to see examples along with the questions so an example of uh, of an interaction between you know between people that might be inappropriate what does that look like why mm-hmm. is it inappropriate Um, an example of types of scams. And I think it's a really ongoing conversation too. You know, maybe you see something uh, in the, actually one of the things I like to do is sign up for scam alerts for the better, from the better business bureau. It just kind of lets me know what's happening. Oh, Uh, and that, yeah. And so that way you could, when you get that to your email, which it comes through pretty frequently, you could say, oh, have you seen this kind of thing online or, 
you know, and just have a conversation about it. I really like to see examples along with the questions and then see what they say. I love that too, because it is hard when we explain it and then they see it to like tie the two together. So I love having mm-hmm. examples and having that co- constant conversation because then it's not about, I'm suspicious of you. It's just, hey, just, did you hear about this? Like maybe assume they have, but I just heard about this. Have you heard? So that you right. constantly got that. And then we're, we're staying in line. I, I love all of that. So I, I want to add one thing too, please. which is, to alert them to the fact that, you know, just because some of these messages might be coming from their best friend's account or even their brother's account doesn't mean that it's necessarily coming directly from that person. That person could have been hacked. So if you ever see anything suspicious, for example, there's a couple things that are happening on social media right now that are very common, which are, I got locked out of my account. Instagram is asking me to give it a phone number of one of my friends so that I can get access. Can you help me? So when you give that phone number, what's really happening is they're clicking reset password on your account. You've just given wow. them your phone number so that now they can access your account. If you send them that code, now you get kicked out of your account. Sometimes you can get it back. Oftentimes you can't. So that's a common one. There's also, uh, oh, I'm, I'm in this uh, influencer program. Can you help me by voting for me with this? How do you vote? Again, it's a phone number so that they can send you a link. And then what happens with that link? You click on it and it's a login to your own account. You've just given them your password, you know, things like this. So um, I would alert them that even though that message of I got locked out of my account might be coming from my very best friend, it doesn't mean it's actually them. And so what you would do at that point is want to call them or, you know, text them. You want to verify through another method that isn't the method that you got that message. Right or else it's going right back to that person. Mm-hmm. That's really good information too. So always kind of be a little suspicious. If it seems weird yeah, a little bit. from your friend, you're like, mm, maybe it's probably not from my friend. So let's go see this. <laughs> That's really cool. So Kathy, what is like one thing that parents can do today to just start that conversation to make sure that their kids are safe? If we're, if we're worried about what our kids are doing, and we just don't even know where to begin. What's the best place to begin? Well, from a conversation perspective, I would say getting on one of the apps, you know, TikTok or Instagram or whatever, just get on it and kind of browse through it. It's interesting because as a parent, your feed is going to look very different from your child's feed, right? So if you really want to know what they're into, you don't even have to ask them. Just open their phone and be like, oh, I want to see your TikTok for you page. And in 30 seconds, you will know, is my child into substances? Is my child into dark humor? Is my child into slime? You know, it, it will tell you in 30 seconds, just swipe through. And because the algorithm knows you yeah. and I and every better, everyone better than we know ourselves. So that's like a really easy starting point if you know nothing. Yeah. Um and then if you, you know, if you do know a little bit, I would say get familiar with these, these kinds of apps. For example, I had a situation with my sister just this week. She did a trend on social media that involved a knife, a kitchen knife. It was, it was a theatrical kind of thing. It, it, it was like, it looked normal. And then it turns very dark where you're holding, you know, a bloody knife, super dark imagery. Right. So she tells my mom that this was a social media trend. My mom is not on TikTok. My mom is not on Instagram. She doesn't understand what qualifies as a trend. My mom tells me this and I'm like, no, 
two people have done this on TikTok. That does not qualify as a trend. <laughs> a trend. trend is thousands, hundreds of thousands. And it's not to say that that kind of dark stuff never happens because it does. At Halloween, there was a, a very big trend with hundreds of thousands of people doing it that was super dark. I didn't do it because I was like, this is too scary even for me. But that was a trend, yeah. <laughs> even for me. But that was a trend, you know, but so even something as simple as that is understanding, like I told my mom, show me the video. I went directly to the sound and I was like, only 106 people have used this sound. Let me see. And so I helped kind of educate her. You know what? It does help if you have an older sibling. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more into it. But I, I love that too. And I think, you know, when you say look through the TikTok, I, I love that idea. I highly recommend people do it with 13 and not taking it and watching it. Because if you take it from them and watch it, that's going to create a lot of disconnect and mistrust. But if you're watching and say, let me see what you're seeing on there, definitely good. And I think even setting it up, like you can have TikTok, but we're going to walk, I'm going to walk through it with you once a week. We're going to look through and scroll through and just see what you're looking An audit. For. Right. An audit so that it's open and transparent, but they also know it's coming because yeah, that it is so funny because yeah, my daughter's TikTok is completely different than mine. Now my sister's identical, which is really funny to me. Um, <laughs> right. So it's like looking through that. Um, so I love yeah. this. So having that conversation, seeing what they're doing, and then you getting educated and you can have them teach you and educate mm -hmm. and just say, I'm getting it. I don't understand it. Can you walk me through? What are some of the security things? And they can show you, which is really great. That's really cool. Yeah. And th so they may not be as familiar with the security settings. Cause I feel like oftentimes they open the account, they put their password, they never check their settings or anything like that ever again. So that's really where the parent can yeah. come in and, you know, put the two factor authentication and the filters and all of that stuff, super helpful. But then teaching you like, you know, how do you do a TikTok trend or an Instagram trend or, you know, whatever, how, how does this story work? That kind of thing. Um, I think they, they really enjoy that because now you're putting them a little bit in a, in a position of power. They get to be the parent for five minutes, teaching you right. something. Uh, and, and it's beneficial to both parties. Yeah, that's great. I love that. So Kathy, how can people find you and all your great? Oh, <laughs> yes. So I'm very easy to find. My name is Kathy Pedraya, spelled like that, <laughs> um, with a C. If you type in Kathy on Instagram or TikTok, I'm the first one that comes up. And I share these kinds of safety tips all the time. I'll share common scams that are happening through, you know, the, um, the direct messages and things like that. Uh, I'll share bots that I'm seeing on pages and how I'm filtering them out. And then I do have a book that just came out in April with Simon & Schuster. It's called The Mom Friend Guide to Everyday Safety and Security. It's not just for moms, but we talked a lot about cyber stuff today. And there is a chapter that is entirely dedicated to cyber things, you know, different settings on different apps. Uh, for example, if your child is using, you know, Uber or Lyft to get around, what are some of the safety settings there? There's a ton that, that you can uh, implement through their phone so that you feel more secure, aside from just sharing location. I mean, I think a lot of us do that, but there's way more than that that you can do. And then there's some other stuff for, you know, I guess you can hand it off to the child later because there's things for when you're traveling, when you're, you know, getting your first car, these kinds of things. Uh, but that cyber chapter, I think would be really relevant to this conversation. That's amazing. And I think just taking from that too, one of the number one things you're saying is, Whenever your child has a new app or anything on their phone, and when we do, go check out the safety settings first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Like, go and look at what they've got and how you can set those parameters. I love that because you're right. And Most of us as adults don't even think about that. 
Yeah, and they're constantly updating. So that yes. actually, that's another part that's very important is whenever an update comes out, there's usually a security feature that's built into that update. So update everything, you know, the, the phone itself and then all of the apps update as often and frequently as possible because that's how you get access to a lot of these settings. Actually, iOS 16, which was announced recently but is not coming out until September, again, it's an iPhone um feature, but you know, that's something that, that is also going to have a lot more uh, security settings built into it, including the ability to, you know, unsend a text, which may not sound like security, but it, oh, it thank definitely God, that's to. coming. Oh, yeah. I needed that. I needed that so many times. <laughs> so yeah. So every time it auto corrects a word and you send, <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean that. Exactly. No, stop. You can that's fix that finally. Meant. Yeah, that's, that is great news to have that. I can't believe it's taken them September. that long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Well, Kathy, I am so glad that you could join us today. This was a lot of fun. And I feel like I'm, I also took away a lot of information that I can go back to my own little household with and be like, sister. That's awesome. World. I know, right? And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.